0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey. and We're coming your way with the 62nd edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're going to get into today is UFC. Have a big pay-per-view this Saturday for UFC 210. Uh, the first fight that we're about to get into for this one is Brooks versus Oliveira. Uh, Darnell, uh no, you've seen these guys, these two fight before. Uh, what can fans expect out of this fight? Uh, it's probably going to be kind of a chess match,
1: uh, with these two. Uh, he's a really good wrestler, uh, very patient fighter. Uh, has a, uh, previous to coming to the UFC, <clears throat> left Bellator as their champion. Uh, so, you know, left with the bell. Uh, basically coming in UFC, but lost his, uh, debut fight against another Oliveira, uh, Calgary, uh, lost by, uh, TKO. Uh, so pretty sure he'll be looking to try to get his groove back, uh, in this fight. Uh, but a lot of, I think he'll be trying to keep it to the feet more so he can, uh, I'll strike him. Uh, Olivera, though, is gonna be more so working for grappling. Uh, he's a Brazilian jujitsu whiz. In his fights, he's won by decision, I think, uh, or by submission. Uh, I think wins by submission. He has a sick guillotine choke if he can get his, uh, arm around. So, uh, I think this, that's what we're looking for there. Uh, who, who can get to their, their strength? Uh, Brooks keep us standing and work through the whole fight. Maybe get some dominant position late. Uh, if he can get a nice takedown, but probably a little scary to try to get somebody as well versed in BJJ like over on his back. So probably it'll be best for him to keep us standing.
0: Right, now you have this going, um, all the rounds? It'll be either probably a
1: decision or a late-round finish, but I'll lean Olivera Okay. In the fight. All right.
0: Okay, Have to check that out, man. I'm not really too familiar with these guys, so just have to see. Um, up next, we're about to get into is uh, Chris Weidman versus Gegard Musasi. Is this a must-win? Match for Chris Weidman. Yes.
1: Uh, the luster has kind of gone off of him, you know, being that dominant champion that he he seemed to be, you know. Uh, he, he'll always be remembered as the guy that beat Anderson Silva twice. I, and of course, beat him the second time with a gruesome leg injury. Uh, and, he went on to have a, like a, another couple of good wins. Uh, but you know, once he ran up against Luke Rockhold, got knocked out and then lost his last fight by a knockout against Joel Romero, uh, starting to wonder what's up with him. And from a couple of articles I've read about Wyden, it seems like he's in his own head a little bit too. Uh, he, he seems to have gone to some extremes to try to get his edge back for this fight. Hmm. Uh, Apparently, I read uh, an article on ESPN. Apparently, he was watching Rocky 3. And uh, there's a scene where Rocky's talking to his trainer and just telling Rocky how he's gotten like too, quote, civilized. He's gotten too big for his britches, didn't have a fighter's edge anymore. Reaping the the benefits of being a champion, all the the money and whatever comes for it. Weidman almost moved into his parents' basement for this training camp just wow. to kind of go back to his roots. And I guess apparently <clears throat> apparently he ended up moving into the guest bedroom in his house where I guess there's nothing there. So it, he would have the feeling of not having much, like no TV in there. He just reads and goes to see his kids when he wants to. But like, I guess he just tried to take himself away from the amenities he's gained through becoming a UFC champion.
2: Yeah.
1: So I mean, it's pretty weird. Uh, we'll see how well it works out for him. Cause I think he's going to be fighting a very game Musashi who, uh, like we were speaking earlier, he's on the last fight of his deal and, uh, he, he isn't happy with how much he's making. Yeah. What better way to start bidding war for yourself than to have a, dominant win over a former UFC champion and you know, start bidding war between the UFC and Bellator.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're just talking about Rocky man. Yeah. Hopefully Chris Weidman can have that Rocky because, you know, it's been looking kind of weak lately. But um just how do you how do you think this one will go? Uh you know, I'm leaning towards uh Musashi in this one, man. I just think, yeah, with him being on his uh Last fight for his contract, man. It's just how Wiseman, how Wiseman's been looking, uh, his Shin's been looking lately. Uh, you know, I'm just favorite, uh, favoring in Gegard in this one, uh, with a KO. I, I actually am too. Uh, as big of a fan as
1: I am of Chris Wideman, I'll be cheering for him, but I mean, if you look at the trajectory of both of these fighters, Wideman coming off of two KO losses and, uh, Musasi's on a four fight win streak with the last three of them being by KO, he, he knocked out Tiago Santos, Vitor Belfort, and Uriah Hall, Uh and none of those fights went beyond halfway through the second round, so he's been going in there and taking care of business, so yeah, we'll see what we get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning uh, Gegard too. Uh, I just feel like he's... He's been more on point lately. I, yeah. I feel like Wydman has, if he's at the top of his game, he's a more talented fighter, but I don't know what's been up with him lately, but he's, he's not been himself. And like it was clear when he stepped into the cage against, uh, Luke Rockhold that this wasn't the guy that we had been seeing fight for the year or two prior.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, you were just talking about it before the, uh, before we started. Um, but you know, Masasa, he was uh, complaining about his pay, um, and whatnot, you know, he's a great fighter and he was cu- talking about some of the names that he's beaten like Mark Hunt and, you know, Mark Hunt, he gets paid more than him. Uh, you know, despite his record, him having a better record than him and everything like that. Uh, you know, how did you feel about, you know, reading what he said? Do you think he's a very, um, overlooked guy? in the uh mma business and whatnot or what He he's a little bit underrated yes
1: uh i think it's just he he's he doesn't speak much of course uh and he's he's not american yeah so i don't i don't know how much of a language gap that is or whatever but you know people have always been pretty high on him because you know he came in he was like a uh seemed like was promoted at least as kind of a protege for, uh, Fedor million Inco back in the straight Force days. So you know, people are looking at him to be the, the future of MMA, but he's never been able to take that step up and win a title. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that holds him back. Uh, he, he does have some exciting fights. Like he puts people down, he finishes fights, uh, of his forty-seven fights, he has thirty-four finishes. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's a high finishing rate that he has. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he he probably is underpaid for the work that he puts in, but you know, part of his game is also who who is the most bankable. And yeah, he's not he's not one of those types. He's not somebody that you throw his name up in lights. He's gonna get you. 500 pay per view buys just off of the
2: strength of his name.
0: Yeah. Now, I was going to ask you, too, uh, you know, uh, he's been doing pretty good in the UFC. Um, You know, if he wins this fight and decides to sign back with the UFC, um, how close do you think he's, uh, how close do you think he is from a uh, possible title shot? Think he still has a little bit to go or what? I think he wins this when he's in the conversation. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking the same. All right, right, but like so. I said, it's a four
1: fight win streak. Uh, I mean, no super huge name. That he's like he beat e- Vitor, not but I mean is not Vitor anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, if we're, if we're being honest. Yeah. And so I mean, that's that's the best win, but out of it, but it is a four fight win streak. It is a name that everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, uh I think he would be in line maybe like after uh, Romero or, or give him a fight with Romero and, and they, whoever wins that can go fight the winner of this being in DSB or something.
0: Yeah. All right. And last but not least for the main event of the fight, uh, we have DC Daniel Cormier versus Anthony Johnson, uh, Rumble. How do you see this fight going, man? Uh I guess it depends on how much
1: Rumble learned from the last fight. Yeah. because uh, I mean, he, he came no out fair, looking like a monster. Man, that
0: first fight, he was close. Like he, he hit him on that chin, man. He it was he had an opportunity he, he landed a good shot. Yeah. He
1: he definitely rocked DC, but I'm not really sure. Like after watching the fight again, I'm not sure how close he actually was to finish. Yeah. DC was hurt but he wasn't like on like on his last leg. He he was able to he was able to get himself right and protect himself and you know, right the ship. Yeah. Uh I think I think Anthony Johnson needs to learn from that. Yes, you rocked him. You had him hurt, but it it wasn't one of those ones where you needed to pounce and throw everything you had right there. Yeah, That was one of those where, okay, I got him a little woozy. Let me keep it standing, see if his reflexes should be slower. Let me see if I can land a couple more and get him to that point where I can get on him. Yeah. Because for as exciting as it was when he hurt DC in that fight after that round, it was downhill yeah, because exactly. he had nothing left in the gas tank.
2: Yeah. And
1: that's just, that's where he has to. This is, DC is a different type of fighter. He's the best fighter in that division, not named John Jones. Yeah. Uh, if, if John Jones is what we remember when he gets back into the cage, that's the only person that has been able to beat this guy. That's the only person that's had Daniel Cormier. Nobody else on this planet that is a mixed martial artist has been able to deal with DC. Yeah. So I, I do think. I think AJ has the tools to do it, but it's all about how well he can serve his gas name.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel the same way with, uh, Rumble, you know, like he, uh, you know, he definitely has a punching power, uh, you know, to knock him out. Like I said, he landed a good shot on him, uh, the first, uh, fight in the first round. But, you know, like I said, after that first round, you know, you could tell that he was, uh, getting winded. So, um, you know, he was able to pull those first round knockouts on pretty much everybody that he's, uh, face uh but you know like i said dc is just a different beast man he was able to take those punches and then you know once the second round came he was able to you know wear him down with that uh wrestling and you know just the grappling and whatnot to get him even more tired and then win overall uh so yeah this is just gonna be interesting to see man but yeah the how i how kind of been feeling about this fight as well man just like kind of looking at the age thing like daniel cormier you know he's coming in this fight 38 I just I don't know I got this kind of just feeling as well man that you know it's getting close in a way that you know Father Time is going to be catching up to him soon you know you don't really see a lot of people you know at that age you know is doing well as he uh has has that doing that well uh like Cormier has um in the UFC you know particularly around the same age that he has uh, been uh so you know I'm just, just a gut feeling man I just kind of feel like Father Time is going to be coming to him uh soon but uh, you know, this is like I said, anything can happen in this fight. You know, Anthony Johnson, he has to be smart. You know, it's okay to throw some of them haymakers that he does, but you know, not to the point where he's going to be that winded, uh, like he has. So,
1: yeah. but you, yeah. uh, AJ is going to have to, he's going to have to use his height and, and, and distance and yeah. just try to, try to box him up because uh, that, that's where his strength is going to lie. If, yeah. if he can stay on the outside, Get the jab working, uh, every now and then get some clinch work to get out. If he can do some stuff like that, he, he probably can find a way to get a shot in to, to hurt DC bad and yeah. maybe end it. But if he, if he comes out throwing bombs like he did in the last fight and, and doesn't hit Pater, yeah. it's going to be more of the same. DC is just going to take him down and smother him again until. He's so exhausted that he makes a mistake and gets tapped out.
0: Yeah. I was just about to ask you about the, uh, you know, like the wrestling and stuff in this fight. Like, you think uh, Anthony Johnson uh, will be able to defend uh, DC's takedowns and, you know, vice versa? If if he can uh, take condition, yes, he, okay.
1: he can defend DC's takedowns. Yeah. He, he, Anthony Johnson is the most athletic 205-pounder yeah. in that division. He's a better athlete than John Jones. He's a better athlete than Cornier. Yeah. Uh, he's a better athlete than, uh, Goose. Uh, but if he's tired and he's slow, he will get picked up. He will get slammed. He will get laid on and he'll get cut <laughs> up and have another 10 a round happen in the second round like last time. Yes.
2: Just, you know,
1: I can't beat that fact hard enough, but it, it, it comes down to how good of a fight it is. he still may lose if it if he can get it to go to distance yeah because uh, I mean Cormier is that good he hasn't shown any signs of a drop off through the age yet yeah so I'll believe that when I see it yeah so this is not to say if if Anthony Johnson keeps his gas thing going he wins I'm not saying that by any means because that that would just be disrespectful to Cormier who's Who is a very good fighter? He's 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 the top of the division. He's a champion. He's already beaten Anthony Johnson once, and he has a gas tank. He's shown it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But but for for Anthony Johnson to have a shot at winning,
0: he has to stay conditioned. Exactly. Yeah. All right, man. Man, you both got a pick, man. Who you got? (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm still gonna roll with Cormier.
1: Just. I feel like he has that more grinding style to deal with a fight like this. Uh, I think he, he knows to not let any of those looping hooks come at him like that again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll stick with him. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Anthony. I, I like both of these fighters. I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing and Anthony Johnson win the title because honestly, I want to see him fight John Jones more than I want to see Cormier Jones too. Yeah. Uh, just I want to see that match up because it hasn't happened. Yeah, but uh, my my head's telling me Cormier.
0: Okay, yeah, man, my uh <laughs> my heart's telling me Cormier, man, but I'm gonna go with my head. Uh, I'm thinking Anthony Johnson, man. I just think somehow, yeah, he's gonna land one of those punches on there and just rock him and uh you know get the KO on uh, DC. So I think this is gonna be another one of his world famous first round finishes. So. Think he's going to be able to pull that off, man. So he won't have to worry about conditioning that much if he can land that first round KO. So that's true. Yeah, he will have to be conditioned five rounds if he can finish it in one. But <laughs> exactly. So he tried that last time. Yeah. <laughs> true. All right, man. Uh, anything left you got to uh, add for the UFC? No, nah, just hopefully these fights are as good as advertised. Yeah. Yeah, I think you would really enjoy, uh, yeah, this Rumble versus, uh, DC fight, huh? You know, so it's going to be a good little chess match, man. But if you could check it out. Yeah. As, as much
3: as, you know, watching the two guys really fight, you know, stick to their styles, uh, you know, take it the distance, I, I'm also pumped about a, you know, first round knockout too. So, yeah, so. Uh, you know, but, but, but the thing is, you know, the more, the more of the UFC I watch, the more things I pick up and it's, you know, for me, someone who's, you know, just getting into it, it seems like every time I have it on, even if it's, you know, a free fight night, I'm learning something different each and every time. So, you know, the, the more, the more of it I can watch at this point, the better. So I'll, I'll be finding a way to tune into that one.
0: Yeah, let me just ask you real quick, man, uh just like out of the uh UFC that you've seen, um, you got like a particular fighter that stuck out with you the most yet or are you still just in that phase? No
3: Yeah, you know, I- I'm still just kind of absorbing everything and I think, you know, it, it- it's that's one of the different things about the UFC, you know, when it comes to other sports, you know, baseball, basketball, football, you see these guys on a regular basis. When it comes to the UFC, you might see a guy twice a year.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, so it's, it's the idea that I, I haven't seen a whole lot of anybody yet really. And, you know, you know, I could go back on, you know, YouTube and watch, watch some things here and there, but you know, the thing is, you know, i'm I'm gonna watch who's coming up, you know I like to see what they're doing now, what not what they were doing you know three years ago because they could be you know a completely different fighter or their career has totally shifted in a complete different direction, so yeah. i I'm trying to stay you know with current what's happening now um you know, I'll go back and you know look at some results, you know, some previous you know uh division champions and things like that, and kind of see. You know, who's had control of the division, who seems to be moving up, down. You know, like, one thing that, you know, caught my eye during, uh, what was the last one, 209? Yeah. Uh, you know, during 209 yeah. was, you know, with some of the uh fights earlier in the card and even in the prelims, you know, seeing some of the guys, you know, who are ranked, you know, whether it's 5th, 7th, 4th, just, you know, the the thing I find interesting is when, you know, they get the post fight interview and, you know, the question always comes up, who do you want next? And I always find that to be such an intriguing question because for me, it really shows where people stand, you know, how much confidence they have in themselves, you know, who are they calling out? Uh, How far ahead is that person that they're calling out? Are they pretty even? Do they just want to rematch? You know, that's the thing I find really interesting because if someone comes out and wins a fight convincingly, you know, gets a knockout or a submission, And they're calling, you know, somebody out at the top of the division. It's like, you know, I really respect that, you know, coming out with a lot of confidence. And um, that's the business. So you have to believe in yourself. If you're not believing in yourself, you're not going to make it. So if there's one thing that's kind of stuck out to me, you know, overall, you know, I think a lot of it is just the confidence that a lot of these fighters have in themselves. And the fact that they're not scared to stand there and say, I want this guy or this woman next, you know. I they know if I want a shot at the belt I have to fight this person next and win. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a it's basically a win or die business and uh everybody in the octagon knows it. So, so that's it's definitely a different pace for me, you know, first time I've gotten into something like this and, you know, it's it's a different culture. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man, just to let me just add real quick, man, like I texted you guys, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for that uh, lawler Cerrone fight, man. I think that's going to be a good one coming up, so
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. If you want to see somebody get knocked out, that's one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, check that one out. <laughs> that's going to be a good All one right. to watch, man, yeah. All right, guys, uh, we're about to go to the NFL next. Uh, just going to talk about Tony Romo. Uh, I was very shocked by this one. I thought he would have gave it another try, um, you know, just to go see if a team wanted him to play some more football. Uh still think he has some gas in the tank to uh, put up some numbers and help a team uh, win. But, you know, he decided to get in front of the camera and... Get behind a mic, so um, yeah, just very shocked by this one, uh, you know. But what were you guys thoughts on this when you heard about Tony Romo deciding to uh, retire and pursue broadcasting? Yeah, I, I was
3: definitely shocked by the
0: retirement call.
3: Uh, you know, I I thought that you know once I heard CBS was getting into the mix, you know, I thought that'd be very intriguing uh, for Tony Romo. You know, take a year off, see what other job opens up. Um, you know, I I could have seen him go into the Texans and I think he would have been a pretty good fit there. Uh, But, you know, if he can get, you know, a year injury-free, commentate for a year, still work on his game on the side, you know, I thought this could be a very good option for him. So I'm not surprised that he's going to broadcasting, but I'm surprised that he, you know, called retirement. Uh, But as, as I thought about it, you know, I decided, you know, to do some research on his his injuries, and he's missed games or parts of a game, you know, in 2008, 2010, 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016. So, the guy is a walking injury. Um, One, you know, franchises know that, they know that if you sign him, you're signing a risk that you're not going to get 16 games out of him anyway. And we talked about that last week, you know, teams knowing he's hurt all the time. Is that making teams shy away? Um And uh, apparently it, it was, Um you know, I I still think teams may have been offering for Romo. It'll be interesting to see what comes out as to what the offers were for Romo. Uh, I mean, mainly because, you know, you'd think that with Dak Prescott being the guy in Dallas that, Uh, Dallas would be willing to move Romo very, very reasonably, um, you know, but Hey, you know, good for Tony Romo, you know, he's realizing that, you know, he has an opportunity doing something else and something else that keeps him still involved with the game of football. And, uh, yeah, you know, best of luck to him in, in his new venture, but, you know, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, on the field another year. I think he could have led a team to the playoffs. Uh, but hey, you know, I never blame somebody for, you know, calling it quits, knowing that their bodies had enough. So, uh, you know, good for Tony Romo there.
2: Yeah. Uh, being the, the
1: resident Cowboys fan on the podcast, I was, I was pretty shocked. Uh, yeah. when I got the, the notification that he was calling like a career, like I, I pretty much had it set. In my head and stone, he was going to the Texans. I just figured that was going to be the case. And since that looked like the best setup for him, uh, I figured at some point the Cowboys were just going to have to release him and let him go there and sign. But you no, know, I guess like Ty was saying, maybe he just started thinking about his health. Uh, I got, I, I tend to believe that maybe he was doing worse than most people thought coming from Two back injuries, broken two collarbones. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot messed up on on Tony Romo, um, especially since he's probably going to have to take a pay cut, uh, seeing as no team is going to trade for him. Uh, I guess he thought he might as well go do broadcasting and make the same or more uh, to not get hit, which I mean, not a bad decision at all. Definitely shocking to to see that he was gonna call a career because I, I I thought I he had some more left in the tank too, uh, mm-hmm. to try to give that last shot of getting making a deep playoff run or or you know, that fairy tale and going going and calling it that way. Uh, And I mean, just watching the, you know, the the sports stations over this past week, like I feel like now people are finally starting to realize really how good of a quarterback he was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people like to throw the, he came in the big game type stuff on him. Uh, a lot of, I, I said, me, me being a Cowboys fan, watching a lot of his games, yes, he, he did throw some big late game interceptions, but usually it was because he was on teams so bad that they couldn't stop the other team. So he had to keep slinging it too. And, you know, the law of averages at some point, you're going to throw it to the other team. It's just he had the bad luck of doing it at the end of the games a lot. And, and of course the, the fumbled snap like that just never seemed to. Get away from on the little goal in the playoffs, uh, but you know now as they're starting to look in and pull out numbers. If if you just look at the numbers, he was probably the third or fourth best regular season quarterback in NFL during his his starting career.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, basically, top three in passing yards, quarterback rating. Uh, I think he has the most fourth quarter comebacks actually from yep. his first year starting in 2003 to his last full season, which was 2014. So, I mean, the numbers are starting to bear out that Like he was a ridiculously good quarterback that really only got to play with one really good team. And that was two years ago. Uh, three years ago uh for DeMarco Murray's last season with the team where they uh at least got to the playoffs and won a playoff game and lost on that ridiculous it's not a Ken Bryant that they called off. So, sad to see yeah. him go. You know, uh, not- I would
3: have liked to see him. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I'll definitely agree with you. You know, the stigma of you know, always kind of screwing it up, kind of fell over him. And he was never really able to shake it because he never made it to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I always thought that was very unfair for Tony Romo. You know, he was a really good regular season quarterback. Uh, You know, he led his team to the playoffs, you know, at least a few times, uh, more than a lot of other quarterbacks, I'll tell you that. Uh, And, you know, it's part of it for me was the idea that, you know, he plays for the Cowboys. A lot of people like to hate the Cowboys. They get a lot of you yeah. know America's attention. You know they dominate the media at times, and a lot of people just like to hate on what's popular, I guess. You know,
2: which I get. Sure.
3: yeah, I, and I get that. Um, so you know, you know, a lot of people say you know my favorite team is you know whoever their hometown team is and whoever's playing the Cowboys. You know stuff like that, but. You know, I I do think it was very unfair, the stigma that fell over Tony Romo, because, you know, he's very talented. Um, Him and Des Bryant were good for many years. Him and Jason Witten were good for many years. And I like you said, I think now people are going to realize what we watched, Um, you know, not saying Tony Romo's greatest quarterback ever. But, you know, I think people will realize while he was in the league, he really was a tough Five quarterback, well, you know, th- throughout his career. And I think that, you know, the argument is completely there, uh, for him to be in that position. But I think the one thing I found most interesting about him moving to CBS is, you know, news broke out that he's going to be replacing Phil Sims. So that means he's commentating with Jim Nance. Like, for me, that's kind of a yeah, big deal. he got the number one, one spot for CBS. Yeah, one, yeah. yeah, one. I, I love Jim Nance. You know, I, I, I think Jim Nance is great. Um, You know, he covers a wide range of sports. He covers the Final Four. Uh, He covers the Masters for golf. Uh, You know, NFL's number one spot for CBS. You know, so he he is, you know, top of the top when it comes to broadcasting. And um, him and Phil Simms had a good thing going for a while. You know, Phil Simms every once in a while kind of said something a little bizarre or whatever, you know, but nothing, you know to where you think they would take him out of that spot and the chemistry that he had with Jim Nance. So what do you you think of that? You know, we we all watch games on CBS Sunday afternoons and hear Jim Nance and, you know, Phil Sims. So do do you guys think it's kind of odd that he gets that spot? Maybe not their number two spot. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's weird, but I mean,
1: it's kind of, basically like he's coming into broadcasting like he did in the NFL undrafted free agent and all of a sudden he's the quarterback for the most popular of the NFL yeah, that's and true. now he he's coming in as a quote unknown commodity as far as broadcasting goes to the number one spot on a big three network so it's <laughs> I guess he's doing it the Tony Romo way right, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, And, you know, I, I will say, you know, anybody who's heard Tony Romo talk with the media knows he, he's very professional. Uh, I think, you know, most notably when he had that press conference, you know, basically handing the team over to Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, he, he was very professional about it, very mature, um, you know, chose very good words to say. So, you know, I'm not going to doubt that he'll have the ability. I think it'll take him, you know, a few games to kind of ease into the the flow of commentating, but you know, his analysis, you know, I believe will be you know, very good. he will be able to break a lot of things down that the average person isn't aware of. And, you know, Phil Sims, you know, say same thing, you know, quarterback in the league, but, you know, Tony rumble being, you know, in the, in the league more recent, I think he'll be able to unwrap a few more things that the average person wouldn't know than Phil Sims will. So, you know, I find it an interesting bit yeah. that they threw him in with Jim Nance, but to a point, it kind of makes a lot of sense because, you know, being the number one spot, people like to hear gymnasts. So you're going to get all of gymnasts. And then you're also going to get the fresh new information that Romo can bring being less than a year out of the league. And I think that that can could, that could make for some really good commentating for sure. Well, and so Romo might end up calling some golf too. Really? I didn't hear that. You're almost a good golfer. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but yeah, he, so. I don't know if you guys know, but like every year he tries to qualify for the US Open. And when you qualify for the US Open golf tournament, you have to make it through basically a sectional qualification and then a regional qualification. He almost always makes it to the second round of qualification. Mm. Almost every time. And, you know, he he's a scratch golfer. He's, he's a really good golfer. So I'd be very interested interested to see him get into the golf commentary, you know. If he can get, a, get alongside Jim Nance there as well,
0: that'd be very interesting. Yeah. You're a golfing guy, Ty. Why don't you try for it, man? Yeah, I'll just uh, follow up Tony Romo.
3: <laughs> I'll learn from him. Hey, if he can make it in from having no experience before, so can I. <laughs> All right, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess he he's doing the like ghost version of, of Brad Doherty who calls NASCAR even though he's an NBA legend. So
2: yeah.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. All you have to do is have a passion for it, I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Now, how does this affect teams pursuing a uh QB and free agency and did uh you know, we were talking about Romo and Cap last week. Uh did Kaepernick stock go up with this retirement news? It had to have, yeah. uh, well, really yeah.
3: two, two, two names are, in my opinion, there were three names and now the Romo's out there's two and it's Cutler and Kaepernick. I mean, it appears that neither team really wants either of them, but the Texans are going to be in a very tight spot. Uh, and I think that you will see the Texans sign one of the two. Uh, which of the two? I have no idea, but with wide receivers like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, uh, I believe it's still Braxton Miller. Uh, you need more than Tom Savage throwing to them. You need someone with NFL experience throwing to them.
0: Hey man, um, the Ravens did it with Dilfer, man. So
3: yeah, Savage is not
0: even. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was going to say
3: Dilfer was at least in the league for a few years <laughs> beforehand. But you know, my 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 point being is having. The veteran leadership in that huddle, you know, they have the veteran leadership of Kaepernick at least being in a Super Bowl. He's been through a playoff run. Uh, Cutler's just been in the league for what seems like forever uh, and has plenty of experience. He's been in, the, uh, I believe, he's been in the playoffs at least once, uh, wildcard weekend or whatever. But uh, you know, hey, at at this point, they need somebody with the experience, and there are two names out there. And I think they're going to get one, and I wouldn't be surprised if they also look to draft as well.
1: Yeah, if we were talking about this over text. I,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think I, I think they probably do both. I think they probably draft a quarterback and they they sign uh, a veteran too. Uh, just because, just like I was saying to you guys on text, they have to know that their window of opportunity is only. Gonna last so long. I mean, you got J.J. Watt having two straight years with off-season surgery, uh, so you don't know how long he's gonna last. But I mean, for right now, they do have a piece of defense, and it would be a shame not to have at least a competent offense along with it to be able to win some games. Because that defense is good enough to. Shut teams down. The, all the Texans will be needed for is 17, 21 points and they can probably win 10, 12 games.
2: So yeah.
1: Uh, I don't see how they don't and cap work them out. Go through some film with them and just see who best fits to their system and pick one. I mean, there's warts on both of the quarterbacks with, with like, with Cutler, you're going to get some interceptions and. You're gonna have a fan base that hates him based like based on the interceptions and based off his face, honestly, just he yeah. Like him and him and Eli Manning, I think, would be in the same boat when Eli's won Super Bowls, but they both just have that that facial expression where it looks like they either don't know what's going on or they don't care what's going on. So yeah. I, I think that's yeah. just a big blow for Cutler there. Uh, yeah. that he, he's just off-putting in that way. And then with Kaepernick, he has some accuracy issues. Uh, he did seem to clean that up a little bit, uh, in se- his last year in San Francisco. Uh, he at least had a good uh, touchdown to interception ratio,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he was still 60% of his passes. So I guess it, it kind of comes down to who do they think they can build an offense around or their strengths more so with, uh, but, uh, with Hopkins, they have to have a, a decent quarterback that can at least get a connection with him and run that offense to be reasoner And that, that defense isn't going to be great for long. And I, I say look at the, the Broncos to see, uh, they, they maximized their window with Peyton Manning. They got their championship and they did it just in time because that defense is falling apart now.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So they were, they were good last year, but now they've had a retirement for one of their better defensive players. And, uh, you know, Bob Miller is going to start aging too. So many years, especially in the NFL, unless you're the Patriots, uh, where you <laughs> yes. have, can continuously get to the playoffs and go deep. Yeah. do it do it now. Uh it may you may have to deal with some controversy if you get Kaepernick or you deal with some fan backlash we possibly do what you need to do if you want to win that series.
0: Yeah. Now let me ask you guys this, uh like if you had to pick between the two, uh who would you think would get uh a deal first, uh Kaepernick or Keller?
3: It, it For me, that's hard because I don't know which team is pursuing the quarterback more. Like, both teams have been very quiet about what they're offering and, like, none, none of that to be how urgent they're trying to be. Uh, so it makes it hard. Uh, I think the Texans would be more likely to get a quarterback first than the Broncos. Uh, I guess that's just me. Um <clears throat> and because I believe it's the Texans looking to get it first, I would, I would go with Cutler. And the only reason I would say Cutler to the Texans is because, uh, during his time in Chicago, he basically just first fed the ball to Brandon Marshall. And then he just force fed the ball to Alshon Jeffrey. And I mean, granted, they, they have, they have a good running back down there in Houston and Lamar Miller. Uh, but you know, you need to force feed. DeAndre Hopkins, dude, has great hands. He catches just about anything that comes near him. Uh, Will Fuller's the deep threat. Culler has a huge arm, uh, and, and I think he'd be able to utilize some things in that offense that Swiler was not able to do. And I think it would start with his ability to force feed a number one receiver. Uh, he's proven he can do it, and and I think that that would be intriguing for the Texans because you know DeAndre Hopkins should never have his down of year as he had last year. He's too talented. I think
1: I lean the other way just cause I feel like you can do more with Kaepernick. He's more athletic. Uh, so you can, you can get him outside of the pocket. He can make some more things happen. I can deal with some, a little bit of the lack of accuracy if you're not turning the ball over a lot. Cutler is going to give the ball away. That's just one of those gunslinger type quarterbacks. So he's probably going to throw. 15, 20 interceptions in a year. That's just, that's the quarterback he is. I, I don't hate him. For, I don't hate him like everybody else does. Like I said, I think his his face is just hateable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But
4: just for the situation, yeah, it, it I, I think I,
1: I mean, it, uh, <laughs> like, like, comparison correct. Like, doesn't, doesn't Eli have oh, yeah. the same type of uh, look on his face all the oh, time? They're they're throwing cool. two, two passes. <laughs> You're right in people's hands and he got two Super Bowl rings so he, people go okay he's won championships so I may hate his face Bowls, but Cutler doesn't have that luxury
3: yeah. you know and here, here's where I'll agree with you for sure you know I definitely think if you want someone who's going to protect the ball more for you if you want someone who can keep plays alive uh, go Kaepernick I, I completely agree I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that analysis at all. Uh, I I honestly think it's just more the arm factor. Um, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah, and, he's got, got know, a too Yeah, and to the point of, you know, he'll throw the interceptions, I think they'll take advantage of that defense. Uh, I think they'll say, you know, we will sacrifice the interceptions because we know our defense can handle it. Yeah. We'll take a couple of arm yeah. punts. Yeah, just about. <laughs> but but yeah, but also to your point of, you know, the whole win now thing, you know, with the ever evolving market known as free agency, players are here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, when the next big contract rolls along, it seems like players are willing to just step out no matter what the situation is. Uh, I mean, Al under Rivas, you know, doesn't matter who you're going to, doesn't matter if the team's. One and 15 or 14 and two. They'll go wherever the money is going to be coming from. So I completely agree with your assessment of the whole win now thing. And, you know, as long as the Texans, the Broncos do what they feel is going to be best for them to win, okay, more power to them. I just think that both of those teams would probably be better off with one of these two top named quarterbacks still sitting in free agency. Are going to stay in pat though. Me too. Me too. I feel it. Well, we also need to remember they drafted uh, what was it Paxton last year, Paxton Lynch. Yeah, Paxton Lynch. And so, so they're still sitting on him. They drafted him thinking he was going to be the starter, I think. And then Trevor Simeon came out and took the job. Well, by surprise. I was going to say, they
1: they like Simeon. They they yeah. Everything I hear is
3: they actually they really like Trevor Simeon. So yeah, my my thing with my. My beef with Simeon was just the fact he had no experience. Granted, you throw Pax Lynch in there, he has no experience either. You know, so they were kind of in a in a quote unquote no win situation there. But I once again, with players Demaris Thomas, Manuel Sanders, you need someone who can just feed them the ball at a high percentage and at a high volume. And and just neither of the well I don't know about Paxton Lynch, but Trevor Simeon isn't that kind of a quarterback. He's more play the percentage, make the percentage throw, uh, really read the defense. He's a Northwestern guy, smart. (laughs) You know, he's not. He's not this guy who just you know I'm just gonna bomb the ball down. He's no Jake Oliver. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and I gotta say, like, if out of the two teams, if I'm looking at Savage versus Simeon, give me Simeon all day. Yeah. I, I I can a little bit more deal with them st- staying with what they have if they feel comfortable with them. But, I mean, I, I do think they'd be – if they took one of these better quarterbacks and, and ran with that, I, I think they would be better off as well. But it just – everything seems like they're not going to do it.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I feel like the Texans going with – with uh, Tom Savage is like the year they went with Brian Hoyer and he threw for a lot of yards but he also threw for a lot of interceptions I just feel like it would be that season on replay. Yes they made yeah. yes, they made the playoffs two years ago but it, they were the team that you just knew were going to get <laughs> a hand to
2: because
3: they wouldn't be able to do it against the top defense so I feel like if they stick with Tom Savage it's just going to be 2015 all over again
0: All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for the NFL? The, j- just real
3: fast. Both of these names should be picked up.
2: Yeah,
3: like there's no sad. there's no reason they should still there's no reason they should still be sitting in free Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: it, you can't say there's 32 quarterbacks better than either than. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. All right, we're about to get to some NCAA basketball. First, we're about to talk about the ladies for a little bit, uh, just to get into the Yukon Huskies. Uh, you know, they were on a 111 win streak, and they finally lost uh, to Mississippi State. Uh, how did you – what do you guys think about that uh, defeat? Were you guys shocked by that? Did either of you watch the game
1: at all? Of course. Yeah. Okay, Trey. I had tuned in once I saw it was a close
3: game. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, no me too. I I caught it at halftime. That's when I caught the game was halftime. Um so I think we could all say we're shocked. Um for for me, the this group of young women down the stretch, in my opinion, panicked. Um they forced a lot of shots. They especially their the last shot they attempted, uh twenty six seconds left, no shot clock. And they drive the limit about fifteen seconds left and throw up. In essence, a prayer trying to draw a foul and hit the bottom of the rim. And we all know what happened after that. Mississippi State comes down. It's blocked Peter on the next possession. But that was the first time I watched the UConn women, and honestly thought that I don't know that they're executing a game plan. I think they're just trying to force. We have them. more players. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, it, yeah, it was like they were saying we have more athletes than you, and that's how we'll beat you because we are UConn basketball. Um, and it just didn't work at all. I mean, I, I loved the the fight and the grit that Mississippi State played with. Uh, it was it was very interesting to watch them really scrap on both ends of the floor. They were getting tough buckets inside. They were playing some some tough defense. Uh, very very physical for a women's game. Uh, and and I think that that messed with you kind of a little bit. I didn't think they expected someone to come out punching first. You know, it's kind of a situation when you know two fighters go out and the more aggressive fighter doesn't land the first punch. You're kind of thrown off. The rest of the fight's kind of dictated by that. And I think that's what happened here. Really, uh, Mississippi State uh, they fought they fought super hard. I was re- I was real impressed with how they played. Um, but yeah, for me, this was the first time I watched the UConn women and really thought that they were not executing a game plan that Gino Riem was drawn up.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is one where Mississippi State came out. It's like, okay, championship to UConn, you are not acting like there's two teams in here. So
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, the disrespect. Their face. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it's one of those situations where it worked out. They were motivated and, uh, to Dawn Staley, South Carolina's coach, they, uh, she, she had them motivated and ready to go. They,
2: the whole, whole time they would, you know, fighting and got it down to a big bucket. They, they slayed the giant. Yeah.
0: Now you guys think uh this one eleven streak will ever be broken? Possibly by UConn again or only
1: team that would have a chance to do it, they do have they have two hundred plus game win streaks. So. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, uh I believe the NCAA men's record's eighty eight by U C L A and nowadays the men's game just too competitive to the, the talent's too widespread for a team to get on that big of a win streak. So if a team does it, you know, I would expect it to be the UConn women. Uh, I think they, they've definitely cornered the women's basketball market and have all the, just about all the talent flowing to them. So if a team comes even close again, I'd expect it to be them.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, what are some records uh, in sports that you guys think uh, will never be touched against? It's, uh, you know, 111. That's a 111 win streak. You know, that's mm-hmm. quite impressive. Uh, but, you know, what are some other uh, records that you guys feel uh, that's up there with that? Trey, uh, do you have any here? Do you want to start us off? Uh, or
3: from, did you
0: not? Yeah, I got some. Uh, plan one on I end? got uh, for... Uh I did a lot of basketball for this one. Um yeah. but for uh I got Wilt's hundred point game. Um I think that I think that one'll take a huge effort. Yeah. Uh I got John phenomenal. Yeah. I got uh John Wooden, uh with his uh ten championships. Mm-hmm. Um for uh NBA I had uh John Stockton for a couple, uh just with his all time steals. Uh, you know, the person who's in second place is Jason Kidd. He has like Eight hundred more than kid, and uh, his um, ass- assists too. He has uh, three thousand uh, more assists than person thirty-eight, about thirty-eight hundred uh, more than who's in uh, second place. That's Jason Kidd as well. Um, so John Stockman for that, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's uh, all-time points.
3: Yeah, I I also had uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time points, and you know, one reason I. I had that one on my list. Is you you look at who's left on you know the top ten of that list and who's active? You have Dirk, who's probably hanging it up after this year. Yeah, there's been you know talks about it, and then LeBron James. Those are the only two active players left in the top ten, and LeBron James still has just under ten thousand points to get to it.
2: Yeah,
3: like how many how many seasons will that take? <laughs> you know, granted, with the resting, you're probably missing a full year by the time he would catch up to that with all the resties or yeah. with, with the rest. Well, so yeah, so, the
0: regular season doesn't matter yeah. to him. So, you know, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but, but just to think that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, you know,
3: over 9,000 points still ahead of LeBron James. Like that, that's incredible.
2: Yeah.
3: That's incredible. But yeah, one, the, the one I had that you didn't is, uh, I'm going with Jack Nicholas in golf for the all time majors. Uh, he has 18 major championship victories. Second place is Tiger Woods, and it doesn't look like Tiger Woods is coming back anytime soon. He's missing the first major of the year this year because of his back. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say Tiger Woods is the most dominant player to ever play golf. And he may not even catch Jack Nicklaus. Just so, real quick,
0: how do you feel about that statement? Yeah. Do you think you, uh, uh, about the Tiger... Die asking Tiger, Uh, Tyler about About, Tiger Tiger Woods, the most dominant. Do you think he's the most dominant Uh, golfer? uh, Oh, absolutely. Um, You know,
3: Tiger Woods, I think, was one of the only guys that took people out of their round before they even teed off on the first
2: team.
3: Like, pairing up with Tiger Woods was death for a lot of people. But, you know, in the same hand, you know, he went through that whole thing back in 2010. You know, all the mistresses and that he was never the same after that. And then he had a back in some back injuries and he's just not the same golfer he was. And to think that he still has to win four majors is just a tie, five to pass.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, that that's that's a tough task. And golf is probably the most talented it's ever been. Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of guys can win majors at this point. You know, we're having a lot of people being first time major champion winners. So, uh, Tiger Woods will have a ton of work to do to catch that record. And if he doesn't, uh, I don't know who will, because j- just for a quick reference for you guys, Jack Nicklaus is 18. Uh, nine. And Tiger Woods is the only active golfer in the top 10 for all-time major wins. So second closest to him is Phil Mickelson. He has his five. So, I I just I just That's don't crazy.
4: see that being yeah. much. unless but, you know,
1: like
3: another thing
1: just to add to Tiger being the most dominant golfer ever. They had to make courses harder because of him. yes, yeah. yep. You're they, right. You they made a good term good. for it. They had to Tiger-proof courses. Yes. So no, you, like yeah, you're absolutely right. Like
3: I just think saying that statement alone is just like you, you got a beast on your
2: hands here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's, that's one for me, you know, definitely being into golf, but you know, and, and I think, like I said, just to put that in perspective for you guys, you know, the two, the two guys that are active that come on the list still are Tiger Woods in second place with seven or with 14 and then Phil Mickelson with five. Like, good luck. Good luck hitting 18. If Tiger Woods can't do it. I, I'll at least I'll at least phrase it this way. I don't think somebody in my lifetime will reach eighteen.
0: Yeah. I had another one too, real quick. Uh, I don't know if you had some more yeah. to add, Ty, but uh, gotta give a shout out to my L.A. Lakers too for the uh, thirty-three game uh, win streak in the NBA. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's
3: a good one. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I'll I'll, I'll let Darnell hit. A, yeah. yeah, I'll let Darnell hit a couple, um, and if he has a couple of. Or if he doesn't have a couple, uh, songs, I'm throw a couple more. Well, uh it,
1: it's—I think it's a given. Everybody would accept that it's kind of artificially made. But the single-season home run record—I no. don't think anybody's touching that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barry Bonds. Yeah. Uh Just say, seeing as he destroyed the Roger Maris's record on his own, and just seeing it, just because you know. They've they've cracked down more on the PED usage. Yeah. As long as it's as long as that's the official number, is not getting broken. Yeah. yeah.
2: What, what
3: what about the all time record? Well, probably not that either. Yeah. Yeah. That that number's out there. Yeah. But but, but I, I
1: will. That say- was the main one that hit me. Uh. Because cause I, I like going back to one of trades. I I actually do give LeBron an outside shot at passing.
3: He he would be the only player I'd give a shot.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, he would just have to you know just stay healthy, take care of his body, man. And, you know which which he's been. Yeah. I mean,
1: how how much of a season has LeBron James ever missed? Yeah. Like, he, he's he's never had a significant injury, and just he he's just one of those players with that body type where I, I think he's built to where if if he wants to, uh, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if he would want to, but I mean, he, he's the type of guy that's built where he could have a 20 year career yeah. transition to playing the four or something like that. Once he gets into his later years and can still probably average 15, 16, 17 points a game coming off the bench just cause of how he's made.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and kind of back to your point about, you know, Barry Bonds, at least. With baseball, if someone catches the record, you can have a very prolonged career in baseball. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think that's probably the, the sport outside of golf where you get a very long career. If you break into the majors at, you know, age 18 or 17 or whatever, you know, so if someone catches it, they'll have to start hot and they'll have to start hot fast. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with the Barry Bonds one there. Uh, for sure you know and, and it's kind of interesting because you know i was telling you guys before we started recording you know uh when you're looking up some of these records some of the lists had the oscar robertson triple doubles record yeah. and uh that that's one that's most likely gonna be broke yeah Uh so it was kind of funny you know it's like records that will never be broken oscar robertson 41 triple doubles It's like well it got tied yeah. so you know? uh it'll, it'll be real interesting to uh See what happens with you know Russell Westbrook after um, if if he beats that record, you know I we we can't say it's a given, but uh,
2: kind of feels yeah. like it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. I mean he uh, he he's doing it pretty pretty controllably, so at yeah, will if you will. So. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, there weren't there weren't too many too many other ones I saw. Uh, you know, Trey, you hit on the one hundred point game by Will Chamberlain. Um, you know, I saw a lot of you know kind of odd ones. Um, you know, uh, some undefeated, you know, boxing records, knockout records, yeah. uh, some things like that. Uh, just another. Interesting golf one for you guys. Uh, Byron Nelson, uh, back in 1945, won 11 straight tournaments. Uh, that probably won't happen again.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, but th- that's, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, in reality, there's a lot of records out there that, you know, we may not even be aware of, uh, that are happening, you know, maybe, in some less popular sports or overseas.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, so, you know, if there are some big records out there, you know, maybe those ones won't be broken too, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting to always see some records get tested. It seems like every once in a while we have someone uh, testing Joe DiMaggio's 56 hit game
2: yeah.
3: and, or 56 game history. And uh, no one's ever, ever reached that one. So, that one seems like it could be reachable at least. Uh, you know, you always see guys get up into the 20s, sometimes the 30s, but you know, that, that one hasn't been reached either, but I, I see that one getting reached eventually. Uh, yeah, other, other than that, I mean, I, I think we hit some really good
2: ones. Yeah.
0: All right, guys, now let's get to some men's basketball. Uh, Start talking about that uh, Final Four. Uh, Let's start it off with uh, South Carolina Gonzaga. Uh, How did you guys feel about that
2: game? Um, Take it, Darnell. (laughs) uh, Uh,
0: Go go ahead, Darnell. uh, The Cinderella straight-headed. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear uh, yeah, Cinderella
1: yeah, that. Yeah, uh, Cinderella's story had to come to an end. Uh you know, it was it was it was fun seeing that South Carolina run the Gonzaga came out and showed they they meant business. They the original Cinderella wanted to try
2: to get their shot at finally getting the title and came through.
0: Well you uh Ty, you have any thoughts on it?
4: Yeah,
3: uh it, it it's hard for me to sit here and say that, you know, it was a great game. Uh in some ways it was, but in a lot of ways it wasn't. Um I think one of the most notable uh things about the national championship game at least and Uh, was the idea that, uh, you know, the refing was... We'll we'll get to that in a sec, man. Oh, okay,
0: okay, Okay, my fault. jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, my my fault. So just the final four? (laughs) Well, we're talking, yeah, I don't know if you heard, if it broke up or what, but yeah, we're talking about, uh, Gonzaga and, um, South Carolina. South Carolina? Carolina. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you must have cut out because I don't remember you saying that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that game was very interesting. Two strong defensive teams. Uh, you know, I liked, I liked the matchup. I know Trey, you were pulling, hard, pulling pretty hard for uh, South Carolina yeah. to, to jump in as the seventh seed, but, you know, uh, Karnowski had a pretty good game there. Uh, he, he was a dominant player for them throughout the tournament. Uh, Nigel Williams, the same thing. And then all their role players just did their job. They, they had to fight really hard. Really hard to move on from that game. Uh, you know, I give Frank Martin a lot of credit for, you know, making his team, which was a seven seed, really believe in themselves. Uh, you know, I think that shows the strength of Frank Martin as a coach. Uh, he had those guys defensive minded and the offense ran through, you know, Thornwell and, you know, unfortunately, Thornwell just didn't have a typical game that he usually has. So in, in the end, the, the team, you know, saw that they missed, you know, the extra offense that he typically brings for them, but yeah. you know, at the end of the day, they had a nice know, little saw streak, saw. though,
0: man. When they uh up in that second uh, half, you know, I thought they were going to get together because Gonzaga was looking rough, yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. they finally got it together at the right time.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like I said, Thornwell wasn't you know completely there offensively, but you know, South Carolina still gave an incredible effort, uh, <laughs> you know, despite their best player not having his best game. Yeah. Uh, but you know that could be credited to an off night. That could be credited to good Gonzaga defense. Uh, but you know, basically, uh, in my in my opinion, just just the better team won. Uh, I just think Gonzaga deserved to make it to the national championship game.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Now, what about UNC versus Oregon Ducks?
3: Yeah, here, you know, in this game I think we got a lot better of a game than we thought we were going to get. You know, that's definitely how I feel. You now, I thought Oregon didn't have enough up front to really compete with with North Carolina. Um I thought, you know, the that front line of Jackson, Meeks, and Hicks would just kind of have their way, but uh Oregon re, real tough. Real tough. Um I don't think I can state that enough. They they played a better game than I thought their best would have given them. Um, you know they're they're very good on defense. They switch things up on offense to keep all their defenses off guard. Um, you know I think the thing I liked about them the most was their their big man Bell. You know he 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 was bringing it every night of the tournament. Um, he he played really well for that team, and he kept them in the game in a lot of ways. He was their rim protector he was their big rebounder and it seemed like any time the ball was up for grabs he was coming down with it so uh you know that game neither team really shot the ball very well but uh you know North Carolina just had enough firepower to get past them in the end uh up front the rebounding i uh, you know it was it was interesting cause when Oregon beat Michigan Michigan filled the box out on a free throw and they you know made two points with about 12 seconds left or something like that. And then here, two free throws where Oregon failed the box out, and North Carolina came up with the rebound both times, which was a very shocking end to that game. But uh, when they needed the rebound most, they couldn't get it, and UNC, which rebounds the ball very well, uh, made the most of it and got a ball they shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, that was the thing that stuck out to me most in that game, which is. Oregon, you've been in this situation before, uh, against Michigan and you couldn't box out, get to a basketball on a free throw where, where you have more people on the line. So, like, it was, it was tough watching that one where UNC did what they needed to do to win the game, but
2: yeah, it's just hard to see when a team allows themselves to be beaten just because they're not getting after the basketball nine times out of ten, that's the defense's ball. Yeah. So, but, you know, Morgan did
1: play a very tough game. Stuck with UNC to the end. But a couple of mishaps there at the end cost them.
0: Alright, guys, now let's get into this uh, awesome finals game. Uh, I know, Ty, you're pretty excited about those referees, uh-huh. but versus so you won't see that.
4: Don't get
3: me started.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Okay,
3: I, I will. I will at least start it by saying this: the referees had nothing to do with North Carolina going basically five for a billion on from three point range. They had nothing to do with Gonzaga shooting about twenty five percent in the second half. Their that, that was not even at right. one point. I know. I know. Uh, that that was not the refs. What was the refs, in my opinion, was the flow of the game. There was zero flow. Uh It seemed like... There was a foul every five move. seconds. It seemed like every time down the floor. Yeah. Whistle. Down the floor. Whistle. Down the floor. In the second half, there was 14 and a half minutes to go, and both teams were in the bonus. Yeah. That's That's what... Fourteen fouls in roughly five min, five and a half minutes of play.
2: Mm-hmm. That's more than two fouls a minute.
3: Like <laughs> what? What in the world constitutes for that kind of rapid? Well,
1: have you seen have you seen that many off the ball fouls called ever in a game? <laughs> Probably not. Like I mean, like meeting meeting somebody coming on a cut just because you put a body on them, they were calling fouls. I was like, no, that's basketball. Like, what are you? I.
3: I I know, I know we, you know, on here have talked before about the idea of refs need to make the call because it's the right call. But I would rather have a ref let more things go than what we watched on Monday. Just being honest, I would rather actually see teams get fast break opportunities. I'd rather see teams be able to run two offensive sets without a whistle. I mean, I, I just, well, they the were game just overly depressed. Yeah. Yeah. The game went till about midnight. Granted, it was a nine o'clock starter, but still a three hour basketball game. Yeah. Cause of the fouls. Like, I mean, and now granted, both teams good defensively. Both teams play aggressive. But the thing is, refs have to do their homework too. They need to know that both teams are aggressive and both teams are going to just be making contact. And knowing that, you need to let some of that contact go. Just knowing that it's the nature of these two teams. It's going to be the nature of the national championship game. Um, you know, why, why in the world were both teams' three best players almost fouled out? Like, I understand. A player fouls out. That happens. But, you know, Karnowski almost fouled out. Meeks almost fouled out. I think Hicks almost fouled out. And this was all with, like, six minutes to go, seven minutes to go. <laughs> like, we want to see the best players on the floor deciding the game. I mean, that that's what I wanted to watch. You know, thankfully, none of them fouled. Uh, I believe Collins for Gonzaga fouled out. And he fouled out with, like, four minutes to go. Yeah. Um, but... That game was very frustrating for me to watch, um, and like I said, because there there was just there was just no flow. The refs the refs dictated a lot about that game. Like I said, they're not to blame for both teams shooting the ball poorly, but they they dictated how that game flowed, and it was it was tough to watch for me. Yeah, uh,
1: this was definitely like. Like Trey being the one that's new to college basketball, thank God that wasn't like the game we got you to watch first to try to get into. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, I know. Like that it was looking this was rough, the man. worst yeah. possible example to try to get somebody like I only watch Pro Bass College Bas is your championship game. It looks like two teams that can't shoot and mm-hmm. and they're not allowed to do anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, it was just, it was just an influx of just everything you don't want to see in a, a game. It was a lot of sloppy play, a lot of bad turnovers, a lot of poor shooting. Like, nobody could hit a three. Uh, and then, and like you were saying, fouls every five, like, the refs were calling it like North Carolina was playing Duke or Gonzaga was playing whoever the hell their worst rival would be. BYU probably. <laughs> yeah, like like they thought a fight might happen or something, so they were just like, yeah. you can't touch anybody." We got to, we got to keep let you guys yeah. know it's not going to be that type of game. It's like these two teams don't play each other. You know that, right? So mm-hmm. can let them play ball. It's not going to be, it's not going to get chippy. Yeah. And yeah. but but yeah, they called it so tight, like like it was Pontiac Northern versus Pontiac Central. I mean. Anybody else listening might not know what that means, but Trey, you get it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, two schools where you might actually have a brawl breakout or something. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, that sounds funny,
0: man.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, it's just, yeah, it it made for just a, a tough watching experience. Like, I texted both of you guys, was it even, that was the first half even over? But I was just like, this is getting unwatchable. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was, that was the first out. Yeah. So it was like, and and this is somebody that loves college basketball. Like, I I don't want to see the game for all the marbles, yeah. like just be a, a mess. Like it it was it was hard enough having to deal with the teams not playing the greatest. Yeah. To cool. also have the refs like putting their fingerprints all
0: over. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this uh, because you I know Tyler you said uh, you know you don't blame the shooting on the refs. But in a mm-hmm. way, what you kind of do because, you know, like with them calling, uh, you know, the fouls like they were, you know, sometimes, man, just with shooting the ball and stuff, you got to get your rhythm. And, you know, it's going to be hard for you to get a rhythm when, you know, every time you go down the court, you're on offense, they call the foul, you know, kind of yeah. messing up. So do you think, you know, possibly that or do you still just stuck with, you know, just both teams should have just went out there and shot the ball better, you know, regardless of that? Well,
3: I'll say both. Uh, I mean, North Carolina should shoot better from three than they did no matter what the refing situation is. But I also understand that, you know, you're looking at Gonzaga in the second half, where Karnowski picks up his third foul like 10 seconds into the second half. And where does he get his buckets? Down low. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be, you know, banging down low if you're thinking, oh, they're they're just going to call a foul on me. So... Gonzaga probably didn't shoot the ball real well because they couldn't get the ball inside. Yeah. And when they did, it didn't help that Karnowski was missing two footers. Yeah, I mean, he missed like three, I think, like in a row. And, st- but, but I mean, still, yes, to, to your point, the refs can tribute to poor shooting. But like for North Carolina's case, they shouldn't have shot as from, as poor from three as they did. They're, they're a better team than that. Yeah, they were missing a ton of just wide open oh, shots
2: yeah. that
1: did seem to be in rhythm. It, yeah, yeah. Just, things were clanging. It was just it was a bad shooting night for both teams. I mean the, uh, North Carolina's leader, was mainly right? Yeah. NC was mainly from the outside and Gonzaga just making baskets and all, which personally I I, I expected from Gonzaga to have a tough time scoring just because they're, so, they're they're tall at every spot. They, they, they defend very well, so I, I thought Gonzaga would have a tough time scoring. So expected from them, they were still scrapping along in the game and doing what they needed to do to get buckets, but I expected them to have a tough time getting to get points, but they were aided by North Carolina not being able to shoot at all. Yeah. Uh this this game was North Carolina's win, and I do think that's why I kinda how it ended up just the more gifted team did win the ball game in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, if if North Carolina could have shot at all and even if even if Gonzaga shot a little bit better, as many open threes as UNC missed, I think they would have won that game more. But
2: they couldn't shoot.
3: Yeah. And and I think, you know, one stat that'll, I guess, emphasize your point a little more along with, along with the refs. Um, there was a point in the second half where Gonzaga went almost eight minutes without a field goal. It was a tie game. Like, what team doesn't score for almost eight minutes and it's tied? -hmm. Like that shows, that shows one, that refs are giving them free throws and therefore keeping up. And two, that shows that North Carolina couldn't do anything either. Like they, they were missing that many shots that allowed Gonzaga to go eight minutes without a field goal and be tied. Like that, that, to me, that's ridiculous. That, that shouldn't happen. And I don't care what level of basketball
0: you're playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, now just looking at this, uh, Marsh Madness tournament, guys, uh, was there any players, uh, that come to your head that improved their stock just with their play in the tournament for the draft? I mean, um, Malik Monk and Fox,
1: I think, yep, both did a good job of securing themselves as high draft picks. Uh, and I would say Josh Jackson as well up until the, uh, the game against oregon uh he 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 had a terrible game there got himself two quick fouls and got put out of game and just could never find a rhythm, so that one was a tough one for him but his his games in the first first weekend and and uh the, the purdue game yeah the purdue
3: game he 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 did a lot for himself as well yeah uh you know i i think here i'll I'll take a player you know maybe. No one's really talking about, but you know, Darnell, you touched on it. DJ Wilson from Michigan. If oh, yeah. he decides to go into the draft, I think all he did was help himself. Uh, you know, he probably went from being, you know, a late to mid second round pick to an early second round or a late first round pick. I think he went into the first. Yeah, like I, I'm not saying by any problem. means. Yeah, he by no means played himself into the lottery, and I'm not saying that, but you know, he. I believe he only helped himself. Um, you know, and, and I think we saw that with each game that went on in the tournament. You know, he, no, nobody when Oregon played Michigan had a great game on either side. So, you know, that game's kind of a wash, but against, you know, against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State rather, um, you know, he, he played really well for Michigan, but you know, I couldn't agree more with your, uh, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. They, they were phenomenal in the tournament. They couldn't go a little further to, to see what they could have done on an even bigger stage. But, uh, yeah, they – how about that Shamalik Monk hit to tie the game against North Carolina? Oh, that was, yeah. phenomenal. Just- that was <laughs> phenomenal. That was <laughs> phenomenal. That was a heck of a shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, him and Monk and Fox, are they're just pure scorers. And – what are the best point guards in the NBA doing right now? They're scoring the ball. Yeah. You know, So, uh, you know, those, those are two guys that I, I believe will be lottery picks. And, you know, the rest will be history.
0: All right, guys. Now, anything else to add um, overall? Any final statements? Well, what were your thoughts on the final game? Uh, man, you know, it was – It was disappointing, Um, you know, just looking at the uh, overall, uh, just, you know, the fouls and everything like that, um, you know, with the shooting and stuff, too. I think uh, both guys could have brought more to the table. Um, And, you know, the referees could have helped, too, a lot with just the foul calling. You know, I definitely agree. You know, sometimes you just got to let the big boys bang and, you know, do their Uh thing and play aggressive, Uh, especially you know, when it's playing for the national, uh, championship, you know, these guys don't really play each other. So, you know, it's not like this was a heated rivalry yeah. game or anything like that. Um, yeah. you know, I think the referees just try to take a little bit, uh, too much control of the game, but I was pulling uh, for UFC uh, US, uh, UNC in this one and, yeah, UFC. <laughs> UFC. <laughs> yeah, I was pulling for was uh, you, uh, <laughs> you were hoping for a fight out there. Yeah. yeah, man, uh, you know, I was pulling for UNC, they won, uh, but, you know, yeah, overall, uh, you know, it was just, uh, could have been better, but man, uh, this was just a great tournament uh, to watch, man. Uh, definitely fun. Uh, can't wait for next year, man, so just and, and, and I'll, referees take a chill pill next national championship <laughs> game.
3: And and I'll even tell you this, Trey, probably over the last five years, this may have been the worst tournament in the
2: last five years. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, uh not too many huge upsets. Uh not many games came down to the buzzer. The games got better as the as the tournament went on, though. Uh I'll I'll give I'll give the tournament that this year. As the, as the rounds went on, the games got better. So, uh, and and let me rephrase that. The final scores got closer. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, it came down to more final possessions. Like, I'll give it that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll expect a better tournament overall next year for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, I I wish we could have got UNC Kentucky as like
3: that game. I wish was the national championship game. Yeah. That would That would have. But fun, how cause. many? But but how many years do we get six or seven games like that in the first round? Yeah, yeah. you know, like um, last year, That no, um, two years ago would have been a would have been a good year to get Trey in because was was last year or two years ago Stephen F. Boston? That no, was two, two
2: years ago. ago. Yeah, two years
3: ago. ago yeah. Like, that, that that tournament was fun. I think that one had, you know, uh, one guy had a half-court shot buzzer beater to win. And just phenomenal stuff happened that year. But, yeah, Trey, expect a better tournament next year, I'll
0: tell you that. All right, man. Yeah, for sure. So, definitely going to be checking out, uh, you know, more games next season. You know, one thing that uh, kind of – I know for sure now, man, uh, I kind of said it before, but, you know, like, usually, like, when you look at football and stuff, uh, you know, you always, okay, it's number one versus number four, you know, I'm definitely going to check that out. But even the unranked teams, because, you know, even though if they're uh, not even ranked, you know, they can still make a big splash during the tournament, so...